From WOUB News, you're listening to The Outlet. For campus meets community, I'm Kayla McCleskey. Each week on The Outlet, we bring you stories from Southeast Ohio. This week on The Outlet, finding empathy for people experiencing homelessness locally. You know, any of us could experience that. We don't know what the next day holds and that they should just really treat them like people. And possible licenses for stores selling tobacco in Athens. These stories and more right here on The Outlet. A local organization is inviting people to walk in the shoes of a person experiencing homelessness. Outlet reporter Allison Patton speaks with members about their work. It makes it real and it makes it also where you're kind of putting yourself in that person's shoes. With open arms and a goal in mind, Goodworks Timothy House welcomes volunteers to walk a day in the life of someone experiencing homelessness. We're trying to help people and ourselves understand more of what it means to experience a day in the life of the Timothy House. Participants chose between two walking experiences, taking them through Goodworks' history. Kelly Katowski has been donating to Goodworks for years. She says the tour shows the importance of their work. They have a story. Story. You know, that they're people and they might be totally surprised about the circumstances that brought them to that place. Goodworks founder Keith Wasserman says the donation-based organization aids people experiencing homelessness and provides resources to help them and get them back on their feet. We provide um, not only uh, a safe, clean, temporary place to stay, but also we create a create environment where people feel safe, feel respected, feel heard. These are some values that we try to implement um, and you know, we're doing our best. He says it takes about $180,000 to run Timothy House, or about $500 a day, and currently has enough money to make it till spring. You know, we're on our way, but we're not quite that far. For Katowski, she hopes the house can continue its work housing those less fortunate. You know, any of us could experience that. We don't know what the next day holds and that they should just really treat them like people. To donate, visit goodworks.net. Reporting for The Outlet, I'm Allison Patton in Athens. Jack Green, a reporter for WOUB Public Media, recently reported on a contract with the city's new trash collector that will provide residents with new trash and recycling cans. So Jack, can you tell us more about this new contract? Yeah, Caleb, so kind of like we've talked about previously, this contract is with Rumkey Waste and Recycling. This is a new provider for the city since the 80s, really. Athens Hawking Recycling Centers has worked with the city and has been a their solid waste collector since the 80s. And for the first time, they're, the city is going off and going with Rumpke because the option to go with Rumpke was the cheapest. Another key point of this contract is that residents are going to be getting new trash cans uh, as a part of this contract. Um, it's kind of because of aesthetic choices. Um, some city officials are saying that you know, they've received complaints and kind of want the city to look a little bit more uniform, especially when people are putting out their garbage cans. And then another thing that city officials say there is a need for these cans is because, so if I'm on the one can rate, that means I have a 30 gallon can, but some people are saying that they are on the one can rate, but are actually having 60 gallon cans, which is actually two cans. So they would have to pay the two can rate. So this kind of makes uh, the city one look a little bit more uniform, while at the same time making sure people are paying for the rates that they are on. 
And then what are the plans for the existing cans customers currently own? Yeah, so currently there is around 4,700 customers in the city of Athens um, that will be likely to receive these new cans. So that means there's maybe around 9,000 trash cans in the city that will have to be replaced. And them being replaced, that means they have to go somewhere. So Rumpke and the city are kind of working together to kind of try and figure out as they kind of smoothen out the transition to Rumpke from AHRC. Jeff Myers, a spokesman for Rumpke, says they're working through communications now, which will provide a clear definition for Athens customers later once service begins on January 2nd. But like we've kind of talked about, these cans have got to go somewhere. So David Riggs, the city's code enforcement director, says Rumpke will be picking up these cans, but there's really only two options. Um, These cans can either be recycled or they can end up in the landfill. Riggs says that for trash cans, it's likely they're going to end up in a landfill because they are contaminated. But for recycling, there is a better alternative. They actually, for recycling cans, funnily enough, they can be recycled. So Rumpke would pick those up. They would take it to Athens Hawking Recycling, and they would process it, take out all the metals within the can, and then give it to someone to recycle into something new. And when can people expect to get these new cans? So Riggs says that residents can expect to get these new trash cans starting February or March. It's kind of unclear exactly how and when they will get people will get these cans. Uh, but Rick says an option for recycling cans is his office will be providing new recycling cans only as existing ones break and need to be replaced. So on a needs basis, as for trash cans, it's kind of unclear how those will be provided at the moment. That was reporter Jack Green with WOUB Public Media. You can find more about Jack's story on WOUB's website at woub.org. WOUB's Parker Kapronica reported on a proposed program in Athens to require licenses for stores selling tobacco products. So, Parker, what is a tobacco retailer's license? Thanks for having me, Caleb. So, as most people know, the state has um, liquor licenses for different retailers across the state that sell alcohol and liquor-related products. Um, They do not have something similar for tobacco products. And as most people know, the minimum age for purchasing tobacco products was released to 21 in 2019. And since then, the state really has not introduced a program similar to the state liquor license where they can go into different shops and do compliance checks, see if they're selling to underage youth. And that's really what Athens is looking to curb with this potential ordinance that's being passed. Um, The license is really aimed at slowing underage usage through the use of compliance checks. Now, this would be a city-regulated thing. Through the health department, they would assign specific underage individuals where they would work with them. They would go into the shops and attempt to buy products underage. That would help curb, in their mind, the underage usage and accessibility to these tobacco products. And right now, Only 25 cities across the state have introduced their own tobacco licensing programs, and most of them have worked with the Tobacco 21 Foundation in order to introduce this. It's the same foundation that Athens has worked with. They've used their model language, and they've seen it implemented in cities across the state like 
Cincinnati, Columbus, and other similar college towns like Oxford with Miami University and Kent State with Kent State University. How will this affect local retailers? So that's kind of been the hot-button topic, right? We've had a couple of retailers come to city council meetings to speak their pieces about it, and the largest impact in the ordinance as it is written now is the change to zoning laws. So if you're going to get a new license and you're an incoming retailer who's aiming to sell tobacco products in Athens, you cannot be within 500 feet of another licensed retailer or 500 feet of a youth-oriented facility. Now, this would not impact any current businesses here in Athens, but as they would be kind of put through in a uh, grandfather clause, so to say, um, if they've had a state tax license for a year. Um, but this would impact, impact new businesses. So obviously the 500 feet within another tobacco retailer license is pretty self-explanatory, but the youth-oriented facility one is interesting. So if you're going to open a business, you cannot be within 500 feet of a facility that either 25% or more of their either visitors, inhabitants, residents, or customers are under the age of 21. Now, this would obviously impact the middle school right here in downtown Athens. This would impact the community center. But after talking to Steve Patterson, the mayor here in Athens, um, he pretty much said that this also looks like it's going to apply to Ohio University buildings up on Court Street. So, for example, Brownlee Hall. Um, there would not be able to be a tobacco retailer license that opens up within 500 feet of that location. Um, so that's really kind of a barrier to help curb youth usage. Now, the Wendy Hyde, I spoke to her, she's with the Tobacco 21 Foundation, and she told me that really the goal of that is to get rid of that seeing eye advertisement to help kind of slow it down. And they've seen positive results in other cities with that implementation. Now, Kent State, as I mentioned earlier, which is a very similar town, um, college town intertwined within the city of Kent. When they passed their laws, they did not include a youth-oriented facility clause because so many of their buildings are downtown. Oxford, however, did implement a youth-oriented facility clause. Now, the other big factor of this um, ordinance will be a penalty system. Um, so each time a retailer fails a compliance check conducted by the health department, the there will be a scaling fine and suspension system. So for example, your first violation will just be a fine, $350. And then after that, it goes into suspensions that work themselves up from a week to years to a permanent revocation of your license. Um, each violation within a 36-month period works towards that. And after five violations within that 36-month period, you can no longer own a license here in the city of Athens. And then when we see this introduced... So it's a somewhat interesting um, system right now. So council is going into their second reading on Monday. Um, however, the council member who sponsored it, Sarah Grace, will be off of council at the beginning of next year. So if they are unable to pass it in the next two readings, they're holding an emergency session next Monday where it would be the second reading, and then on the 18th they would have their third reading of the ordinance, which would pass it through. If there's a holdup in that, we'll have to see it delayed. So another council member after the new year would have to sponsor the bill and they would have to restart the readings from there. Um, if it does pass by the 18th, which it's looking like it will right now, um, it would be in effect in law by September 1st, 2024. So by that date, each retailer selling tobacco products would need to hold a license, display a license, and follow all the compliance checks introduced by the health department. That was WOUB reporter Parker Capronica. You can find more about Parker's story on WOUB's website, woub.org. Southeast Ohio could see a warmer winter this year. 
WOUB lead forecaster Emily Dietz talks about what the weather might bring. So Emily, what are some of the weather conditions that we're going to expect for this week? But also kind of look forward to what a winter in Ohio could be like over the next month. For sure. Well, yeah, starting off this week, well, today's actually Tuesday, and we saw a lot of snowfall this morning. Oh, I shouldn't say a lot because it didn't really stick to the ground, unfortunately, because that ground is still just a little too warm until that snow can stick to it, and it quickly turned to rain. But it was really nice to just kind of wake up and be like, oh, my gosh, it's snowing. You know, I felt like a little kid, you know, waking up, waiting to see if we had a snow day. But unfortunately, definitely not enough snow for that. But it was still pretty outside, which was uh, nice. But looking into the rest of this week, uh, we're going to see a bit of a high-pressure system move through and that'll start to clear skies, and it'll actually be pretty warm Friday and Saturday. We're looking at mostly sunny skies, even into the 60s going in on the Saturday, so definitely warmer outside. Then on Sunday, that's when we see a pretty big shift. So we actually have a pretty big low-pressure system that's going to be moving through, and it's going to have a little warm front attached. So that's where we see that little bit of a warm-up. And then right behind it is a pretty big cold front. So that's going to move through and really create a lot of rain. So Sunday is going to be a very rainy day ahead of us, and even some snow in the late afternoon, or excuse me, not late afternoon, into the late evening hours, even into early Monday morning. So hopefully that snow will hang around a little bit longer, and that's when things start to cool off back down into the 40s. So... Uh, no, I'm really hoping that we see a lot more snow this winter. I don't know about you. Yeah, because definitely last year there wasn't enough snow, at least in Athens, where we are currently. But I'm definitely hoping for maybe not a crazy amount of snow, but just enough to where you can enjoy it. Exactly. Especially in December, you know, you just think about it with the holidays around the corner, all the decorations, and it's not fun to see a wet, slushy sidewalk at all. Because I know even going into February, you're like, man, now it's just February. It's cold, miserable, and it's like gray slush outside. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to nice, like white, fluffy snow. Yeah. And then speaking of the holidays, Emily, what would you say your favorite Christmas movie is? Oh, that's a tough one because, you know, there's a lot of good ones out there. But Miracle on 34th Street from like the 19, I think 97 it was made. That's got to be my all-time favorite movie. What about you? I'm definitely going to stick with the animated Frosty the Snowman from 1969. It's just a classic for me. I pretty much, as a child, I watched it like almost every single year. And then I would definitely say Rudolph is definitely up there as well. For sure. I haven't seen Rudolph in a while. But definitely have to add that to the watch list this year and even looking at our holidays upcoming for what we can expect for Christmas since we're looking at some holiday movies. Um, it's not really going to, we're not entirely sure if we're going to see a lot of snow yet or not. Um, we're actually in an El Nino uh, right now, which is what that means is we're expecting to see some higher temperatures than average um, through Ohio, which is a bit unfortunate. And, even some chances for a bit of a snowy storm, but that might come later into January, into February. So as far as Christmas is looking, we might see a little bit of snow, but we're not expecting anything major right now. But again, it's the weather. It's subject to change, and uh, things are fluctuating quite a lot. But hopefully Rudolph will still be able to make his stops, even if it's not going to be pretty snowy outside. The bowl game for high university football has been announced, and the Bobcats are heading to the beach. Sports Director Aiden Crowley and Associate Sports Director Maria Manessi talk about this game's impact on program history. So guys, a lot happened over the weekend in terms of games and other announcements, but for probably the biggest thing over the weekend, the Ohio University football team now knows their bowl game and who they're playing against. Aiden, I'm going to go to you first. Who is our opponent, and then what could this game mean for the team? Yeah, absolutely, Caleb. Like you mentioned, the Ohio football team finally has their opponent. 
for the opportunity to get to 10 wins, and it's back-to-back 10-win seasons for the first time ever in program history. That's what's at stake for this team. They're taking on Georgia Southern in the Myrtle Beach Bowl that you mentioned, and it's the kickoff to bowl season. Ohio gets to enter the bowl season for 2023 it's pretty exciting they'll play saturday december 16th at 11 a.m and this georgia southern team uh obviously made the jump here recently to fbs football um and they've enjoyed a good season in the Sun Belt, which is a pretty difficult conference they were six and six overall um losers of their last four games but like i mentioned the Sun Belt is a difficult conference to play in in the group of five and they entered this game with the 14th ranked passing offense in the country first in the Sun Belt, and it's going to be that ohio defense versus that georgia southern passing attack ohio finished the year fourth in the nation in total defense so it's that classic matchup of which one's going to give a really good offense or a really good defense and so that's going to be the focus for this ohio team as they try and navigate uh this bowl game like i mentioned myrtle beach saturday december 16th yeah, and then we also have some other news about our football team. Who are some of the players that have entered the transfer portal? Yeah, Caleb, like you mentioned, it's kind of the new state of college athletics. This is the the new state of college football specifically. It's kind of the, the new world we find ourselves in. That window opens Monday, uh, December 4th, and now players have the opportunity to enter into the transfer portal a little bit earlier, and that window closes January 2nd, so they have to find a new home by then. And for the Bobcats, already just a couple days into the transfer portal, just a couple names, it's six total that have entered the portal quarterback Curtis Rourke, running back C.A. Bangura, running back O'Shawn Allison, wide receivers Miles Cross, Tyler Walton, and Armani Roan have all elected to enter the transfer portal. So it's going to be difficult for Coach Albin and this coaching staff to have his guys focus on the Myrtle Beach Bowl and find a way to navigate this new environment that we find ourselves in. We talked to Coach Albin at his weekly press conference on Monday, and he mentioned that he doesn't want this story to be about the players entering the portal, and he doesn't want all that noise to infect what this team can do and what they have the opportunity to accomplish. So the focus inside the building is still on Georgia Southern. It's still on the Myrtle Beach Bowl, but obviously a lot of outside noise and a lot of uncertainty on where these players are going to end up going. And it's exciting, but at the same time, you know, the job's not done for this season, and they have to kind of wrap it all up here coming up soon. Yeah, definitely. Job isn't done. Hopefully that they are able to get it done at Myrtle Beach. So to now move over to winter sports, men's basketball took on Delaware on Saturday. And Maria, you're actually at the game. So what can you tell us about this? Yeah, Ohio was able to grab its third straight victory, 74-73, over Delaware on Saturday. That was after they really struggled to shoot in the first half, just 31% from the field. And it just seemed like shots weren't falling from them. But in the second half, they really just needed that spark. And Elmore James really was that guy for them. Had 15 points just in the second half alone. Finished with a career high, tied his career high with 21 points. And in the final moments, they were trailing and really were able to just come back after Jalen Hunter had a layup to give them the go-ahead bucket and really secure things for them. Delaware had a three-point attempt in the final seconds but missed it. And Elmore James was able to get a defensive rebound to help them seal the deal for a big victory for them but obviously big comeback for them Elmore James and Jalen Hunter two guys that have really been key parts of the team all season long um, early in this season just really stepped up for them especially on Saturday 
And after Elmore James' performance in the victory, he earned himself Mid-American Conference Co-Player of the Week for his tying his career-high 21 points and just really was a key factor. And kind of taking a look ahead of the road head, that was the first of four games in the combo for Ohio men's basketball. They'll play Youngstown State, Marshall, and Defiance before going on the road. For the final two non-conference games, which conference play will start on January 2nd in the combo versus Toledo, which crazy to think that's less than a month away, but um, things are kind of flying for them. Yeah, and then Aiden, I'm going to go back over to you. What can you tell us about women's basketball? Yeah, Caleb, they actually just traveled a couple miles up the road over to Ohio State for a non-conference contest on Tuesday, and they dropped that one 85-45. to 45. Uh, Obviously a tough challenge for this Bobcat team. Ohio State women's basketball has historically been a very good program, and it's no different this year. 12th in the country, 7-1 and one already this season. One of the best teams in NCAA women's basketball this season, and they showed why on Tuesday night against the Bobcats. It, it was a struggle for them, but I think a good experience for this younger team, a good opportunity to face a good challenge, handle some adversity, and come together a little bit. So I think those are the main takeaways from this game. You can obviously look up and down the box score and point out certain ways where they could have played the game better, but I think overall for Bob Bolden and his younger, a little bit more inexperienced team, it was more about the opportunity to come together as a team and gel a little bit more and I think you'll see that as the rest of this non-conference slate goes into effect they have two more at home and two on the road they have two straight against Syracuse and Indiana State in the convo Saturday December 9th and Sunday December 17th before traveling to Butler and Bellarmine to close out the non-conference on December 21st and December 30th. So another couple opportunities to continue to gel. Obviously Syracuse and Butler are two pretty good programs as well. So some opportunities maybe to make some noise but again for this team, it's really just about finding their identity right now before they start conference play on January 3rd against Akron. That's all we have for you this week. Thanks for joining us. The outlet is produced each week by me, Caleb McCluskey. We're edited by Tish Baidia, Aaron Payne, and David Forster. Adam Rich is our technical assistant, and our theme music is performed by Ryan Gabos. Enjoy our show. Tell a friend to give us a listen. They can subscribe to the outlet on SoundCloud or Spotify, as well as Apple Podcast, or find us online at woub.org. They can also follow us on Twitter at outlet underscore woub and Instagram at newswatch underscore woub. We'll be back next week with more stories from Southeast Ohio.